chapter 42 for our scripture reading this morning. All of that was free. Amen. And I'm sure you were blessed by it and knowing the gospel is going around the world and we have a responsibility to do our little part. That's all we can do. Amen. And we are doing our part. Amen. To get this gospel around the world and whatever means that God uh, gives us what he puts in our hands, we do it. Amen. God bless you, Brother Buzz Bozy, that, um, and you and the saints there. And, and uh, let's turn to Psalms chapter 42 and verse 1 for our scripture reading this morning. As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my meat day and night, while they continually say unto me, Where is thy God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me. For I have gone with them, had I gone with the multitude, I went with them uh, to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise with the multitude. It kept holy day. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Father, we love you. We want to thank you for your blessings to us. That you're a mighty God. And that you have called a bride from around the world. Out of ever out of ever nation, kindred, tongue, tribe, and people. And Lord, we thank you, O God, that you have given us such a glorious message here in this end time. And that we are part of, of something that you are doing in this day as we find that last predestinated seed. I pray that you'll bless every effort of all of the work that is done around the world. And, oh, God, may it be used for your glory. And, Lord, that you'd use us today, Lord, as we speak words of life. May the joy of the Lord be our strength. And may you help us in these times, Lord, to stand in this evil day. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you'd anoint the word as it goes forth now. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you as you're seated. I was sharing some things with some of the brothers during last week, and something struck an accord in my heart that I want to speak upon this morning. And I want to speak on thirsting for a living God. And of course, thirst is a painful desire that when you're really thirsty... <laughs> It hurts. You know, it, it's painful. And of course, we know what it is to thirst naturally, but there's also a spiritual thirst. David said in Psalms 84 and 1, he said, How amicable or how pleasant are thy tabernacles, O Lord of hosts. My soul longeth, yea, even fainteth for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh crieth for the living God. And I believe that every man, they thirst for God. It's a natural thing to thirst. It's something that God placed within the heart of every man. And David said here, my soul, I mean, his very innermost being, the soul desires and longs and thirsts for a living God. You know, it's a control tower as it was that, that is put in you by God to warn you that, there is something that is needed. 
that causes you to go out on a search, you know, to find that which is the answer for the longing of the soul. And of course, the same is true of a, of a natural thirst. Long before you dehydrate because you can die of thirst, there is a warning that goes off within your body and you begin to desire uh, hydration and, and you say, I'm thirsty. I, I, I need water. I, I, I need a drink. And it'll even cause you to wake from a deep, deep sleep and, and cause you to get up and search. I'm thirsty. And the question comes to mind, do all believers search or at thirst? And I want to say certainly all believers thirst. But their thirst has been quenched and satisfied by Almighty God. They have found the fountain of living water. You know, in Revelation 7, there's this multitude without number who come through the great tribulation and, 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 and yet they're still thirsty because their thirst has not been quenched. And the Bible says of them as they arrive there still thirsty, he said in, in Re- Revelation 7, 16, they shall hunger no more, neither thirst anymore, neither shall the sunlight on them nor any heat for the lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them and shall lead them into living fountains of water and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Somehow they get to this other side even though, even through great tribulation and, and, and they are still thirsty, they still have a need to be led to living waters. Now, there is a natural thirst in every human being, whether he's a sinner, whether he's a saint. Every person thirsts. You are born with a desire or a thirst for God. You were made to desire God. Now, you take animals. Animals don't desire God, but humans do. You, you never see an animal making a, a, a statue or creating an idol uh, to worship or building houses of worship. There, there's no form of worship that you see in an animal that, that is actively trying to worship something. But man wants to worship something. You read in the Old Testament in Jeremiah 10 where we're instructed not to learn the way of the heathen. Oh, who takes an ox and cuts down a tree and makes them out of it an object of worship with the work of his own hands. And that man will try to carve something out of that wood and then deck it with gold or silver and dress it up and after working and making it with his hand and turn around and, and, and bow down to worship it, a, a senseless idol that has to be carried about, that are dumb, that cannot speak, Idols that you can pray to that will never answer. But why does man do this? Because man has always hungered and thirsted after God. He was made to do that because man has a soul. And so he was made to desire to want to know his creator. Every person, everybody, every human being has a thirst for God. Again, in the, in the message thirst, Brother Branham talks about it. He said, I've had people tell me, well, I never did. I never thirsted for God. I, I just believe it's for somebody, some, just some people that want to be Christian. Oh, no, that's wrong. It is actually something that is associated with every human being. 
And he said, when we come to this country in the early days, we found the Indians here. And the Indians, though heathen at the time, they worship the sun or something. As long as they're human, there's something in them. A natural thirst calling out to God somewhere. Amen. Now, you know, man wants to live and he thirsts. So he looks for ways to enjoy life to his fullness. And Brother Branham told us about this in enticing spirits. He said, I don't even condemn the sinner or the drunkard for getting drunk. He's all moody. He don't know. He gets up in the morning. He's got the blues. He has a hangover. He goes out and gets three or four bottles of beers and stuff. And a little cigarette sucker sets back and smokes and blow it through his nose like he was a freight train. I don't blame him. That's all the joy he knows. That's all he knows about. He's a pig by nature. But he said, shame on you who profess to be a Christian and rely on such things as that for joy. When the Holy Ghost gospel is nothing but one great big powerhouse of joy. Amen. The Holy Ghost uh, gospel is a perfect intoxication for every man that's got the blues. You take a drink of the gospel of Jesus Christ, be filled with the Holy Ghost, you are drunk till you leave this world. Amen. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. There's a constant stimulation. It's a constant intoxication. Drunk day and night. Amen. That's the word of God. Amen. Now, all men thirst for God, but they'll try to satisfy it on things of the world. Their nature, though, is sin nature. And like a pig, they waller in the muck and the mire and the stink of the world. But when you've not had a nature change, the man's up all night playing his video games, pretending to murder, to kill, to rape, to pillage. Don't don't you know that's only trying to satisfy a, a, a beast nature? And the Holy Ghost doesn't get enjoyment out of feeding on the, uh, imagine, feeding the imagination on things that are evil. And uh, because then, you know, the family is neglected, the wife is neglected, not giving her due benevolence, the children are neglected, the, the Bible is not fed upon because you're too busy feeding the animal, the beast. But of course, he's a sinner, his whoring, his dope, his, uh, his tobacco, his video games, his movies, that's his pleasure. But if the soul ever gets that satisfying portion of the Spirit of God, the soul will long and desire for the living God. Amen. And whether they know it or not, you know, even though they're trying to satisfy it with these vices of the world, this dope, this alcohol, or whoring, or, or doing all the other kind of sin, it's really a misplaced It's really a misplaced substitute trying to quench the thirst that is in that heart for God. If they can ever come in contact with Christ, they would find that they would have so much joy in Christ and then those things would be deader than midnight to them. They would become addicted to the word of God. They would become drunk on the Holy Ghost. And to them, it would be joy unspeakable and full of glory. A man, when he comes home under pressure of his job, he'll feel the need to smoke or 
you know, that calms his nerves or he thinks or, you know, he needs, uh, feels the need of wine to relax him or feels the need to party. That's his release. He wants his pleasure. You see, the thing for you to do as a Christian today is to live such a godly life before him that you can prove to him that the gospel holds 10,000 more, more pleasure than what that ever will be. Amen, if, he, if that man dies in that state, he'll go to hell on his liquor. That's the devil's intoxication. If he dies dragging on that old pipe or that dope, he, you know, God is his judge. If they die going out here dancing and running around in immoral clothes, again, God's their judge. They'll wind up at the judgment. But there's one thing that's different for you. Amen. There's one thing. If you die under the anointing of the Holy Ghost, like Stephen did when he looked up in the face of God and said, I see the heavens open and I see Jesus standing at the right hand. Brother, you're heaven bound. Hallelujah. Now Jesus invites whosoever will to come to me and drink. Drink. That's quenching their thirst. And he said, they will never thirst again. You know, what a promise that that it is that he can be the answer to the the soul desire. But, you know, the devil will make other ways for you to try to quench your thirst. Sometimes it's a religious thirst. You know, I'll just go to church and I'll join a church and I'll join a group of people who I think is right and then you wind up with as much hypocrisy in your life or sometimes worse than going to the bar room to quench your thirst. In the wilderness places of Israel, where we read of David speaking of the deer, the heart, they had wolves and they had wild dogs that would attack the deer because they were an easy prey to them. And I wanted to say to you, you were that deer chased by the hounds of hell. And if you're outside of Christ this morning, the devil's on your trail. Let me tell you, demons that swore they would destroy you. Amen. And and of course, uh, you know, you're running. Every man is running. But you're running into a death trap. You're running into total exhaustion until the hounds are going to get you. Forever centered, the hounds of hell are on your trail and they're yapping. They're yapping at you. Amen. I, I was there in, the, in a place here just recently where um, during the night, during the night, you know, demons actually came into my room and they were, they were screaming and threatening and yelling and trying to, as if, as if you know, trying to get, get at me. Well, I'll tell you what I did. Honestly, I needed some, some sleep and they were disturbing me. So I just, said, I just, I just uh, sat up in bed and I said, okay, you devils. Now you go in the name of Jesus Christ, I'm going to sleep. And I turned over and went to sleep. But you see, there was a man there in those meetings that was having those same demons that was come screaming at him. 
And service after, or not service after service, but day after day, they were tormenting him and coming to him just like that I experienced it. And they were coming tormenting him. And there in the presence of God, amen, there as we, we laid hands on him and prayed with him, every one of those demons left and he found peace. you see, ever, for every sinner, the hounds of hell are on your trail. They're on your trail, they're yapping. They won't let you sleep at night. Your bed becomes so hard, your pillow hard, you can't sleep and you can't rest because there's no place you can find peace. And you hear them coming on your trail. The hounds of hell, maybe sometimes it isn't even something you hear. They're just sneaking up in the shadows and they're ready to pounce out upon you any moment because you're vulnerable. And I want to say today, without outside of Christ, you are vulnerable. Without the Holy Ghost, you are vulnerable. Amen. But these deers would be attacked by the wolves because they're an easy prey. And without the Holy Ghost, you are an easy prey. You can promise I'll be moral. I'll make my vows. I'll turn a new leaf. It'll never work. Amen. You only make your vows and your promises to break them again because your adversary, the devil, is on your track. He's on your trail and he's after you and he's there in the shadows or over the next hill, around the next curve. He's there everywhere you look. This deer right here at this water book, he's constantly having to lift his head, look around. He's nervous. Any moment there, he's to pray. Brother Branham tells us, thirsting for life, he said, is a good type of the devil. You take a beautiful woman or a handsome young man, that's a very, that's a very prey for the sins of this world, just to pray a little innocent boy of 16 or 17 or a little girl just to pray to the devil to feast on. These wild dogs will lay in ambush. It's like in the days when, you know, with Cain and Abel and and he says to him, to Cain, don't you know if you do, do well, he says, you'll be accepted, but if not, sin is crouching at your door. And sin crouches at every man's door, just waiting for that opportune time. They'll take and jump on these little deer. The first thing they'll do is try to maybe they'll get this hamstring behind the leg where they can't run and hamstring them. If he can't grab them there, he grabs them at the throat and, and, and try to jerk the juggler vein loose and it bleeds to death in just a moment. Then there's another place is the flank of the deer and he'll hit him there in the flank, run and jerk his teeth in that. If he's a heavy dog and a, you know, he'll fling that little deer around you know, and, and, and there they will dogpile him. You see, one devil will invite another devil. Amen. You think, oh, I'm just going to live my life and, you know, it's just a little devil that I deal with. No, he will invite others. And they'll dogpile you. And they'll pull you right down into the snares of the devil and destroy. 
destroy your life, destroy your family. He's a thief and he comes to rob and to kill and destroy. This dog will grab it. Maybe if it's a mid-century even, he'll swing the deer off his feet and they just go and tear the little fellow to death. Let me tell you, the devil's not your friend. He don't want to do anything to you but destroy you. What does sin have to offer? It only offers a broken home, a ruined children. And when you get down at the end of the road, you might have built mansions. You might be a great person in this life. But really, what does that have to offer you in the other place? One day you're coming down to the end of all. And I want to say, the end is closer than what you think. Because the rapture is promised for the saints and wrath then will be poured out upon the earth. I know, you know, you've been preaching, you've been preaching like, like this for many years. And yeah, the other day I stood right there before Kenneth Middleton where we, where the Lord had come for him. Let me tell you, he'll come for you. You got to be ready. He's come for many. He could come for you for the services out. But here many times the, the dog will grab uh, or the wolf will grab mouths of flesh and pull it out. If the, if the deer is quick, if he can maneuver his body quick enough, sometimes he can get away. And then, then uh, of course, uh, you know, when the, as he gets away from him, the dogs are rolling from their momentum and he runs and whatever, but he's wounded. He's wounded and he knows he's got to find water. Well, I'll tell you, you won't be in this world of sin very long without being wounded. Amen. You won't be here very long without being defiled by sin and brought down into depths that you never imagined. You can say, well, I'll tell you what, not me. I'm going to be a model citizen. I just won't give my life to Christ. You won't. You have no protection. Your resolve and your willpower and your decisions will not keep you. You're not strong enough for the devil. Come on. Amen. But here you become wounded like this deer. And you can imagine this deer. The blood is running out of him. And he's looking now for the water brook. If you can just get the water, I can live. And that's what I'm saying to every wounded soul today. If you can only get to the water. If you can only get to that fountain of living water. You can live. But if you don't get to the water, you're going to die. The hounds are on your trail. Sometimes when a deer is wounded, it's so bad, he'll never make it to the water. He's just there. Sometimes he'll fall in the water and he's too badly wounded. But sometimes they're wounded and would die from the wounds. But they get in that water. And in that water, they drink and they drink. Across the little creek, drink, run down the creek a little bit, run up the hill, cross back, get some water. If he can just keep on running as long as he can get water, but if he doesn't get the water, he's going to perish. This is what David said, my soul is thirsting after you, O God. I, I must have God or perish. 
You, you know, David discovered something here. He, he discovered that no matter how much resolve he had and how much determination to be a good man and a good king and a godly man, he had all of this determination, resolve. I'm going to do this. I'm going to live right. I'll I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll put the word as frontless before my eyes. I'll tie them to my fingers. I'll tell you what, you know, I'll, I'll I'll hold these promises, but I'll tell you what, even though he had 500 wives, 500 women could not satisfy his thirst. He had to go and take somebody else's wife. David found out all his pledges and promises could not hold him. I can get you to sign cards. I'll be true to my wife. I can bow in front of the altar and say, you know, I'm going to be true to you till death do us part. And you mean it. But the only way you're going to be able to keep that It's to get the thirst that is in your soul satisfied or else you will always be reaching out trying to satisfy it. And this sinful world that has been bit by the mad dogs of hell with all this modern jazz and rock and rap music and dirty television programs and everything cracking their jokes, they've been mad dog bit. They're trying to quench that thirst with the stagnated water of the devil. But I tell you, I pray today, if any is in that condition today, may your soul, your heart become so thirsty that you find Christ or die. That it becomes your passion, Lord. Give me that water. I must not fail to get it. Amen. I tell you what, if you can ever get to that water as a deer thirst for the water brooks, and you just get a drink from there, do you know you'll never have to have another sermon on morals. You'll never have to have another sermon preached to you on how to dress or how to act or how to conduct yourself. No, because your your thirst has been satisfied and you'll never give up Christ for that. What makes a man or a woman do wrong? What makes him drink and carry on is because there's something in them thirsting. Something in her thirsting. They're trying to quench that holy thirst with the things of the world when only God can satisfy that. That's the reason you thirst for something anyway. Because God made you, you know, your body made you to that way so you turn your holy thirst to him. See, but when you try to quench your thirst with other things, how dare anybody to do that? You have no right to to try and quench that holy thirst that you thirst for something and you turn it to the world and and then try to satisfy it with the world. You, You can't do that. There's only one thing that will fill that void and that's God. And he made you to thirst. Sometimes we look at, as Christians, you know, we look at people who've done awful sins, and we say, oh, my, what an awful person. Really, if we could look at it, 
and see that it's a thirsting human being. This is what Brother Buzz was saying a moment ago. You know, I met this woman and I was told she had a hunger. She was on a search for God. I was looking to see a holy woman, but I saw someone dressed like a harlot. I saw someone who, was, who, who had, had not found that satisfying portion, and yet, you see, you see, you would have thought it would be the model Christian, the model man, the model, the model uh, leader out here, but no, God chooses the harlots, the fornicators, the idolaters, and the adulterers because they are thirsting. And because they are thirsting for God, they try to fill it up with alcohol or tobacco or dope or women or men or all kinds of other vices. But it's because there's a hunger, a thirst on the inside of them. But they're trying to fill it with other things. Just remember, he didn't come to call the righteous to repentance. He come to, he come to call the sinner and the ungodly. That's whom he came to save. The Bible said he came to save that which was lost. And the first thing before you can be saved is realize I'm lost. I need Jesus. I've got to be helped. I've tried religion. I've tried this. I've tried reformation. I've tried, I tried to re- be reformed. I've tried to well, you know, make vows. I, I turned a new leaf over on New Year's. I did this and nothing works. But Isaiah 55, 1 said, Ho, everyone that thirsts. In other words, he's calling out like, like, stop. Everyone that thirsts, stop. And he that hath no money, come and buy and eat. Come and buy wine and milk without money or price. Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which is satisfied not? You tried this and you tried that, but it don't satisfy. Amen. Hearken diligently unto me and eat that which is good and let your soul delight in its fatness. Incline your ear and come unto me and hear and your soul shall live and I will make an everlasting covenant with you. Oh, even the sure mercies of David. What an opportunity. Here the word is calling out actually from every scripture. You know, sometimes you say, well, I wish that God would speak to me. Well, just look in the Bible. Amen. Well, I wish he would talk to me. Well, how many promises do you have to have? Amen. Well, I wish he cared for me. I got told the story of Brother Kenneth at his memorial service of God speaking to me to tell him I love you. He said, well, Brother Tim, I wish God loved me. Well, he came all the way down from heaven because of you. Amen. He came to seek you out. He sends his Holy Spirit to find you. He deals and knocks at your door to find you. Amen. God so loved you that he gave his only begotten son. Amen. Let me tell you, this is, yes, it's to the world, but friends, it's also personally to you. Because of your sin and because he knew you were thirsty, he was a thirst quencher. And I want to say of him, 
that no one ever cared for you like Jesus. Your alcohol don't care for you. Your dope don't care for you. Your friends out in the world, they will abandon you in a moment. Amen. But there is one, a friend that has stick closer than a brother. and said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. I won't abandon you. I'll be there when you fall. I'll lift you up again. No one's ever cared for you like Jesus. Well, I just don't believe, can't believe that Jesus would save me. I've done so much. I, I've said so many things wrong. Well, I'll tell you what, you can sure believe that the devil has sent you to hell. You know, you can sure believe that the life that you're living is destroying you. Well, why don't you just turn that around and believe in God? Something good. Amen. If you can have faith, the devil is, is there, you know, to, to destroy you. Why don't you believe there's a God who will save you? Amen. A God who cares. Now, there's so many entertaining things of our day, and it's there to entice people. And this is the truth. I'm actually reading that from a quote from Without Money or Price, but let me just say this is the truth. There's so many things to entice people. More than any other age. There's movies and videos and gamings and every kind of, uh, of, of social media. There's porn at your fingertips. Everything else to what we call pleasures. It's for all people in all ages. There's enticements for the young people. The modern dances. The rock and roll parties. And, and I want to just say even to you, parents... Out there, you know, with the, with the internet and things like that with your kids, don't you realize there's a, a devil lurking behind almost every website to try to grab them and wound them and pull them down. There's enticement, the modern dances, rock and roll parties, the rap, the music that they got to go with it. All enticing entertainment. And I just want to say, Christian, if there was ever time that you need to read your Bible, it's now. You're thirsting for God. Don't try to satisfy it out here. Look to the living God. And I want to to say, oh, yeah, I, I don't think it's really enticing. It is enticing. It'll call to your soul. It wants to destroy you. You think, ah, you know, somebody said to me, oh, Brother Tim, country and western music, uh, it's really good. It soothes me. He said, "Um, this guy was supposed to be a Christian, and he said, this soothes me. It's about life, how it really is. And I said, not my life. Not my life. Amen, that's not how my life is. My tears and my beer and my wife are going on and, and my kids being raised by another man and all uh, the sorrows and the troubles and whatever that they're singing about. As they glorify sin and its vices and they commiserate together. One time I, you know, ever some years ago and they was talking about this hidden stuff if you play uh, your, your tape backwards on rock and roll, you'd hear 
you know, sublimial stuff that's in there backwards. I said, well, I don't know. I never listened to rock and roll, never played one backwards. Didn't play one forward, much less backward. So I said, I, I don't know what's there, but I said, I wish they'd play country music backwards. Hey, man, man would get his wife back. He'd get out of the bar room and quit drinking. He'd be a daddy to his kids. Come on, there wouldn't be any divorces. There'd be happy homes. I wish they would play that backwards. Well, I tell you, that's what the gospel does. It takes your old rugged, wretched life and it turns it around and it restores you and brings back the Holy Ghost in your life with a holy thinking and a holy attitude. But what Satan wants to do to you is take you where your little children are ragged, your little wife is broken. Your home is torn apart. It's what he wants to do to you. It glorifies sin. The rap. I can't even do it. The rap gets where you want to just shake your way down to hell, jerking and pulling and every step of the way all the way down into hell. Trying to numb your conscience. Oh, Brother Tim, that don't affect our kids. Brother Brandon said, I don't care how good a home a child has been brought up in and how it's been taught to do right. If that child hasn't accepted the experience of the new birth, rock and roll music catches his attention just as quick as he hears it because it's in him, it's born in him by nature, a carnal spirit, and the power of the devil is so great today till it catches the spirit of that little one. And then he said, how much more the old that has rejected the new birth? Because only as your life has changed and you've been converted and born again anew in the kingdom of God, your nature will still be of the things of the world no matter how religious you are unless that's been changed in you. You can worship and be religious and still, and still that will have some kind of drawing power to you because... The old man of sin and his desires is not dead yet. But just let Christ one time take the throne of your heart. Those things don't bother you anymore. Amen, because it's so much greater. And I just want to say to the wounded, to the broken, to the weary, to the torn by sin that is chased by the hounds of hell that there is a fountain, a fountain of living water that will heal the broken, the wounded, the torn, the bleeding. I know. I've drank from that fountain and so have many here today. This deer is always alert, watching, listening for rustle, for crackling of the leaves. Can't let us guard down for a moment. Brother Branham said, comparing the deer with the man thirsting for God, there's something about a child of God that when you're born in the Spirit, receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. There's something about that person that can sense the enemy. You can take a man when he's taking the Scripture and reading the Scripture and then tries to inject something to that Scripture that's contrary to, to the Scripture. A man filled with the Holy Ghost can sense that right quick. 
There's something out of the way when he gets into a place and that certain little sense in there, that's done to protect your life. You mustn't never go for anything except it's exactly with the word. And, and because we're secured with that sense as long as we're in the Holy Spirit. And Brother Bradham gave examples like that. He said, you can go for instance, somebody said, well, I read, I, I go read in Mark 16, these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues or take up serpents or drink deadly things that would not harm them. If they lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. And then you find a person get up there and say, now that was for the apostolic age. That right quick, if you receive the Holy Spirit, you've been endowed with that sense. It sets off. There's something wrong there. They try to explain it away. That it's for another day. That really you don't need those things today. But Jesus said, these signs shall follow them that believe. So there's something in there that sets off in you a little buzzer. Knowing that's wrong and it's the way of death. Hallelujah. I'm glad to have that kind of buzzer on the inside. Amen. That when you hear things like that, that Christ isn't the same, that the Holy Ghost still isn't real, that we don't believe in prayer lines anymore or altar calls and all of that's in the past, there's a buzzer goes off. A warning goes off. Amen. You know that you're about to be leapt upon and dragged there into the snare of the devil. And God puts a warning on the inside of you. Get out. Yes. Brother Branham said in the third Exodus, he spoke about Joseph's brothers who thought that they would never need that old dreamer, brother of theirs. They wanted to get, they wanted to get rid of the gifts. And that's the reason of it now. He said they thought they'd never have a need of it. We don't need speaker with tongues. We don't need interpreters of tongues. We don't need the, the Old Testament prophets to set us in order by the Holy Spirit. We understand that they have adopted a man-made system to take the place of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, there's a people that's elected. Amen, that has their names on the Lamb's Book of Life. They can't go for that. They're spiritual minded and therefore they can't go for that. They can't stand it no matter how if their fathers and mothers was lived in that whatever organizational church. You know why? Nobody has a right to add to this word or take from it. What we've seen God do in the prophet's ministry, we ought to know is real and is for us today. Amen. That not one scripture should we part from. We should take it the way it's written. For God watches over his word. You believe that? Amen. So he said, no matter what the church would say, what anybody else would say, if you're born of the Spirit of God, you become a part of the Bible. You see, because you become the Word as you receive the Word. As God told Ezekiel, the prophet, take the scroll and eat it. Then the prophet and the scroll became a part of each other. Brother, I can't deny Mark 16. It is who I am. I I cannot deny divine healing. It is who I am. Amen. I cannot deny the miraculous, the living God. That's who I am. Amen. I have taken of his word. And when someone tries to separate you from that, a little buzzer goes off right quick. To warn you, death is on the road. Amen. 
But I'm going to tell you, the elect will not be deceived because the Holy Spirit is on the inside there to warn them. Amen. That's why you heard some of you even recently heard the word saying, come out of her, my people. Amen. That you not be partakers of that. See, what is the devil trying to do to trap you and to keep you from your freedom? Where you're given just old stagnated water from a polluted stream to pin you up in some organizational doctrine, a Nicolaitan spirit to overlord over you and hold you in a pen until the day of slaughter. And the church has become perverted until it's a lodge, a place full of every unclean and hateful bird, unchanged, sinful people who are trying to fill a religious thirst by dutifully going to church. And there they get their coffee and donuts and a feel-good sermonette from a preacherette. Church is a place where people come together and worship God in spirit and in truth. Now, some only want truth and no spirit. And that makes the church only a lodge where the word is perverted and and reduced to an intellectual gospel. Then the church becomes stagnant and becomes a cesspool where you can't even find faith anymore, where there's no living God or his miracles. There's no healing of the body and no healing or salvation for the soul, just an intellectual acknowledgement of doctrine without life. And unfortunately, that's what has happened in many message churches. The Bible said in Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13, for my people are committed to evils. They have forsaken me. Here's the evil. They've forsaken me. I mean, you, you think, oh, I, we, didn't, we didn't turn away his gifts. We didn't turn away his miracles. We didn't turn away uh, the, 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 the Holy Ghost is given to apostle. We hadn't, we, hadn't, we hadn't turned that away. No, you forsook him. When you did that, you forsook him. And then he said they hewed out cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. And so even if there is a revival comes by once in a while, they can't hold it. Church goes right back to the slump it was in. You see, Satan will lead you to come to his cesspools of unbelief. People are hungry, and if they don't find food, they'll eat from a garbage can. How many are trapped in churches where the word of God is not living but just a dead creed, something that you profess to believe? You know, in in itself, the word creed is not bad. It just means I believe. It's what we believe. This is what we believe. But you see, if the life of the Holy Spirit isn't in you, it's just a dead creed. And it may be the exact truth. But you see, there's no reason for that. When you're thirsting for God because God's a living God. He's not a historical something. As David said, my soul thirsts after thee, the living God. Something that gives living waters. Something that satisfies. The thirst of the soul is something that all humanity has in common. Man made to thirst after him so that no one would have an excuse. 
that no one can say, but God, I never thirsted. And God has said, yeah, you thirsted for me, but you satisfied it with other things. You took substitutes that the devil offered and old stock needed water or even the gospel of an age past and did not stay in the present truth. Brother Branham asked this question. He said, why do you hunger, church? Why do you thirst? It's the Father trying to reveal this hidden secret to you, but you let so many things get it out of you. You let your job, your wife, your husband, your children, you let the cares of the world, you let some pastor, you let somebody else get it out of you when you know way down in your heart you're thirsting, you're hungering. It's God trying to reveal to you, see, the revelation. What revelation? The revelation of Christ personally to you. Now, you might try to quench that desire with other things. So it could be your spouse. It could be your car, it could be some possession, it could be your job, it could be church joining, it could be belonging to the society or the community of believers, and yet sit there and never drink from that fountain. Belonging to or associating with a good group of people, that is not the satisfaction. It's to find God, the living God, the God of heaven. And inviting him into your soul because only that will satisfy that longing, that thirsting that you're longing for. There's a genuine need and a thirst for Christian fellowship. Absolutely, that's good. We like to be with one another. We have things in common because we're all thirsting for God. You know, there's something that, that, that should be in common with everyone that has come in this building today is, is we all have the same thing, a common desire, a thirst, a thirst. I want to see the living God. I want to see him in his power. I want to see him in his glory. I don't have me a historical God, a God of history, but I'll bring him out of history and bring him present tense. The Bible said in 1 John 1 and 7, but if you walk in the light as he is the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ of his son cleanses us from all sin. Sometimes a deer like this one will be out there by himself. He'll wander off to himself all alone. That's always dangerous. I tell you, that's always dangerous. You see, you see there, he's got two eyes, two ears. But if he had a companion, he'd have four eyes and four ears. If he had six around him, there would be more. They're all watching, listening, warning. And Brother Bradham said, a deer will wander off to himself. That's a real place to get one. He said, that's why I think sometimes God's little deer sometimes wander off from the fold. There might be some here tonight that's wandered away from the protection of the church, from the protection of loved ones who pray for you and help you to come back to God, to keep you straight, to come to church and listen to the gospel. There may be some in radio land that's wandered away. But this little deer wanting to wander out from the flock, 
where she had protection, away from the church, where she gets in the Holy Spirit through the preaching of the word, where washed through the water of the word, and then you get away and start staying home from church, watching television. Oh, Wednesday night, or when you go to prayer meetings going on, and you're on your, he said, you're on your road. When you got prayer meetings going on, then right then you're, you're on your road out. When your desires have become more to see some television program than it is to hear the gospel, there's something wrong in the soul. God made you so you thirst for him. Now, part of that thirst is even fulfilled in fellowshipping with his children. The book of Proverbs speaks of fools or stupid people. Stupid people, it says, refuse to turn away from evil. It said, keep company with the wise and you'll become wise. You know, like Brother Kenneth told his family, keep coming to church. If you ain't going to church, start. And if you're in church, stay. That was the instructions of a man that, as he would leave for glory. And so, you know, keep company, the Bible said, with the wise and you'll become wise. If you make friends with stupid people, you will be ruined. Trouble follows sinners everywhere. That's why you don't want to, you know, keep a lot of company with sinners. Oh, Jesus did, yeah, he did to bring them out. He didn't do it to play their games and to live their lives and to party with them. Somebody help me preach now. He did them to show them the way of life. But trouble follows sinners everywhere. So why do you want to be in their calamity and their trouble? Because their trouble will bring trouble on you. Righteous people will be rewarded with good things. So for the righteous, good things follow. I want to be among people where good things are happening. I mean, I want my friends to be friends where good things are happening, where God is moving, where prayers are being answered, amen, where lives are changed, where, where godly instruction comes. Be careful who your friends are. When Brother Brandon was asked what kind of activities our kids could have, he said, keep them in Christian company. He didn't say, well, you can... You can rent the skate ring or you can do this and you can do that and I'll give you some other things you can do and yeah, you can play Uno but not whatever the mother cards are. I never played them. But anyway, you can play this but you can't play that. And he didn't say, he said, keep them in Christian company. Be careful who your friends are. Say, well, it's my brother, it's my sister, it's my kinfolk. They ain't your friends if they're not leading you to righteousness. If you see the rewards of their life is evil, they are not your friends. Amen. Now, so you see, the Bible tells you in 2 Corinthians 6, 14, be ye not equally, unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship? What fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord or harmony hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? 
And that's not just an atheist. That's someone who adheres to a different religion. If you think of John 7.37, you can put that scripture up for me, please. The Bible speaks of these. In his promise, he said, in the last day, that great day of the feast, I believe we're there. I believe this is the last church ages. That this is the last outpouring of the Spirit. This is the last of the last. Listen, if this message don't turn your heart back to the faith, ain't nothing going to do it. Amen. There's no eight-day messenger, nobody else. Ain't nothing ever going to get come and really turn your heart if this message don't do it. You're not going in the rapture. Sorry. God sent a message in this day. In the last great day of the feast, and this is where we are, this is where we come. What a wonderful feast. I say what a wonderful feast. Amen. It's a seven-course menu. Did you know the seven seals are open? Amen. The thunders have spoken. That which was sealed up has now been revealed. Do you you know the book is not closed anymore? And we're not preaching from a closed book and probing and wondering what it says. But we have the gospel restored. As it was in the days of Paul. That's why this message is so vital. That's why we're not out to try to give you a Baptist Jesus or Methodist Jesus or, you know, just pass you a a Bible and say, hey, read this and make it. God sent a message in this day specifically designed to turn the hearts of the children back to the faith of the fathers or else he would just have to smite the whole earth with a curse but in the last day Jesus stood and cried now he's not weeping he's shouting some people say well Jesus he was quiet when he gave his sermon sometimes he did sometimes the Bible said his voice wasn't heard in the streets but there was other times that he shouted you see, he was a type of us all. There are some that are, that are equipped and they're ministered and maybe they, they, they bring it in a way and, and it's quiet and, and it's soft and, and whatever else. And Jesus would speak that time, way sometimes and teach the Beatitudes and whatever. But there's sometimes he preached. And when he did, he shouted. And he shouted, if any man thirst, I'm the fountain. Let him come to me and drink. I've got the water. I've got the satisfying portion. I've got what you're desiring. I've got what you won't find in the, the denominations of the day, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Herodians, the scribes. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly or his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. So think about it, friends. 
you know, you, you get it as he said this, speak he of the Spirit, that, the, that they which believe on him should receive for the Holy Ghost was not yet given for Jesus was not yet glorified. But you see here, he said the Holy Ghost, when he comes, it'll be a fountain. Hallelujah, a fountain down on the inside of and it'll gush forth. Amen. Into eternal life. Now, the Holy Ghost couldn't come back on man until Jesus was crucified, died, buried, rose again, ascended into glory because Jesus was the fullness of God in a body. And he sent the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God, back. But he's already preaching it. He's already preaching it. And and I want to tell you, different from them, it's already afforded you today. Amen. He that will believe on me, as the scripture has said, then out of his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. You know, not as the church said, not as a message believers say, just recite a creed and say, I've joined the church and I believe serpent seed and predestination. I believe God's in a prophet and that's it. It's more than believing. You know, again, I, I, I want to commend you for believing. If you believed on the Lord, I commend you. That's a good place to start. He that cometh to God must believe that he is. And then he'll reward you that diligently seek him. But that's only the beginnings. That's not even the Holy Ghost yet. The Holy Ghost is drawing you and pulling you and wooing you. But in Acts chapter 8, there was Philip who went to Samaria and he preached Christ to them. And they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. And they were even baptized. So they believed and were baptized, both men and women. Not only that, but there was a man there, Simon a sorcerer himself, believed and he too was baptized. Now the Bible said Simon a sorcerer believed. And was still a sorcerer. You say, well, I believe the message. Yeah, it's still a devil worshiper. I believe God sent a prophet still living a dirty life. I believe the message, Brother Tim. Uh, You know, that's as far as most message preachers will take you anymore. Yes, believe and get baptized. Just believe and get back. Oh, you, you accepted serpent seed. You can see that. You're predestinated to see. Glory to God, you're going to heaven. You're in the rapture. Simon tried to buy the Holy Ghost with money. And this man who believed and was baptized was called out by Peter. And he said, thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter, for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. But he had believed and had baptized. And Peter said, but your heart ain't right. So don't just come that far and believe and accept the message and God's in on a prophet and get baptized. You gotta go all the way. You can't stop. If that's as far as you go, and I commend you, but you're just Simon the sorcerer yet. You can do that and still be a devil worshiper. Still live under vices and there's many of them that does it on a message pew. 
I'm not preaching to Baptists. I'm not preaching to Presbyterians. I'm preaching to you. I do want them to be in heaven, but I want you in a rapture. And I'm not preaching for you just to barely make it by the skin of your teeth and wind up in the white throne judgment and finally led into eternal life and finally get the living water and finally quit thirsting. I'm telling you, there is something right now that you can get that satisfying portion. Amen. That will seal sin out of your life and seal the Holy Ghost into you and make you ready for a rapture. I see in you, he said, a gall of bitterness full of bitter jealousy and the bond of iniquity and are held captive by sin. That's as far as many go, then they become jealous. Next thing you know, this is where trouble comes in the church because still sin is there and bitter jealousies rise up and envy and strife and hatred. This is where Judas has come up and show their colors because he stopped short of Pentecost, the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That's the problem with many. They believe and they've been baptized, but they're still held captive by sin. The scripture is there. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? You can believe, but have you received? This is the question. You see, and, and, and I can tell you how you can know whether you've received or not because if you have received it, out of your innermost being flows river of living water gushing up out of into eternal life. No more, no more will I have to go as a pastor and pull you out of sin. Say, come back to church, try to do right, do better this time. No more. It'll be there, a living fountain, a gushing stream that continually cleans the soul, purges out the trash. It won't be me standing there, keep the law, keep the scripture, keep the word, keep the promises. Don't do this and don't do that. It'll be the Holy Ghost on the inside of you. And there he will gush up and blow the trash out. In trials and tests and temptation, it's still going to bubble up. No, I've been through some temptations, some trials myself. I've been through a few. I've been through some very difficult moments, some very dark hours, but I refuse to stay there. I'm not going to sit around and mourn and mourn and cry and mourn and mourn and cry. Why would I do that? Amen, I've got a job to do. I've got responsibility. And besides that, every time that it comes upon me, something on the inside rushes out and blows away that morning. And there comes a rejoicing and a joy and a thanksgiving to God. I know, I spent a lot of time already on missions, but I want you to know that he said in Ezekiel, I'll give you a new heart. I'll give you a new spirit. 
And then he said, I'll put my spirit in you. Brother Branham shows that the new heart is on your, only your intellects. And it's a new way of thinking. It's God enlarging the mind and starting to make the word of God believable. Jesus taught and said to Nicodemus, said, you know, here you are a man of the scripture and you don't know these things. Well, Ezekiel prophesied and said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do with Israel. There'll come a time they'll get a new birth and when they do, I'm going to give them a new heart and I'm going to give them a new spirit. But I'm going to do more than that. I'm going to do what I couldn't do in the Old Testament. I'm going to give them my spirit. You say, well, why couldn't it? Well, yes, he could anoint Moses. He could anoint, in that sense, be filled with the spirit. But not like the New Testament. Because under the Old Covenant there, they were there under the blood and bulls of goats and it would not take away sin. And it could not deal with sin nature. Because the life of the sacrifice could not come back upon the believer. It was an animal. But that day on Calvary, things changed. A new covenant was written. And God gave his own Holy Spirit the life of the Lamb of God to come. Amen. To take away your sin and to dwell within you and give you that overcoming power. So they couldn't live right. So they were given laws with threats. If you do this, you're stoned. If you commit adultery, we'll take you out. If you bear false witness, we'll we'll stone you with stone. Achan, you and your whole family will die for taking of the sacred things. You took of the tithe that was to belong to only to God, holy to God, and you used them for yourself. Because that was the first fruits given of the land. And it was all declared holy. But you know, when you get a new heart, that's the intellect you think with. It's a new way of thinking. You know, the Bible looks to be reasonable. I, I didn't used to believe it that way. And it's reasonable. I, 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 I believe it now. I, I want to accept Christ. I don't want to go to hell. I do realize the Bible said there's a, a hell to shun. And I don't want to go there. Well, you know, this was Billy Graham. The only thing Billy Graham could give was a new heart. A new way of thinking. So this was him and his revival. And he would invite a rock star or ball star or movie star to come up, give a testimony of how Christ had changed their lives. And then he would preach And the Spirit of God would move using that simple message and thousands would flock to his altars having received a new heart, a new thinking. Oh, the Word of God is reasonable. You know, I don't want to go to hell. I, I want to make heaven my home. And if a rock star and a movie star or a ball star or bigwig thinks it's cool and the right thing to do, you know, I, I'll become a Christian too. It's chick, it's the thing. But I tell you, the Holy Spirit is not a new thought. But it will give you a new thinking. It'll change your thoughts. You see, a, a new thought, we, can, we bring that same concept. There's many, many sitting on message pews that are just Billy Graham converts. Easy believism. 
you see, that, 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 uh, that it just got as far as Lot, who by the skin of his teeth get out of Sodom. You see, a new thought. Why, you must have your thoughts changed. Why, God's doing wonderful things. He sent a prophet. I believe it. Uh, seals are open. I believe it. Serpent seed makes sense. What is God doing? He's, God's giving you a new heart. Amen. It's necessary. That's what said. God said, I will give you a new heart. And, and then, so we give them knowledge, a new, the, the intellect, knowledge, and they receive it. But that's only the new heart. Let me tell you, if you stop there, you're not fully converted. You'll wind up in the tribulation. You'll not go into rapture without the token. Are you with me? Without the Holy Ghost. This is what Billy Graham did. He gave people knowledge that Jesus loved them, that he died for them. And they accept that knowledge and they believe it. But what do they have? A new heart. You know, God provided the lamb, Brother Branham said, that's intellectual faith. That's what's the matter with our revivals today. Well, that's how, here's how, how they get it. Um, here's how it is now, get it. Uh, Billy Graham, Jack Schuler, that was a Methodist man, Many a, a great man, Oral Roberts, great evangelist on the field, has combed this nation back, back and forth, and altar calls have been made to, enough to convert a thousand Americas. And the reason, but the reason it's only the people that are brought to an intellectual faith. If they would go a little deeper till that faith come from the intellectuals and soak down in the soul, it would last. And that's the reason about 80% or 90% of the converts that comes in revival is gone before six months. It's because they only have an intellectual conception. But when it becomes an experience of being born again of the Spirit of God, that anchors to eternity. And I want to say that's the intellectual side of the message now. It's a new heart. And certainly it's wonderful that the Word of God is believable and that we gain understanding of the great mysteries, but still that isn't it. Paul would say, though I understand all mysteries and all knowledge and yet not have charity or love, that basic element of God's nature that comes by the Holy Ghost, I am nothing. Believing the message is not enough. Believing the seals are open, the great mysteries is still, you can do that with just a new heart. Your thinking's changed. You're still not safe from the hounds of hell. No, no. It'll come in your house with television, Hollywood dress, makeup, pornography, sometimes drugs and alcohol. Slothful, lazy lives, no desperation, no sincerity, no dedication. Galloping down every movie that comes along, and, 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 and there it is. It's, it's because, it, and it shows, it shows that the thirst has not been satisfied. And Brother Bradham warned us, said, apply a church, apply the token, don't fail. Don't take no chance, it won't work, children. You must have the token. You say, I believe, yes, I go, yeah, I believe the message. That's all, that's right, and that's good, but you must have the token. Do you hear Branham Tabernacle? You must have the token displayed. Without it, oh, you're listening 
or believing is in vain. You live a good life. You listen to what the Word says. You go to church. You try to live right. That's fine. But that's not it. When I see the blood, that's the token. So he said, don't just come this far and say, I believe the message. You obey the messenger coming to Christ. Well, I believe every word, Brother Branham. That's good. But that's just being able to read. Take the message. Take it into your heart that you must have the token. The very life that was in Christ be in you. Don't make this hard. The token is the Holy Ghost. You must have the Holy Ghost. And when I see that, I will pass over you. Oh, that's this side. Now here's the other side. The pendulum swings this way. I'll give you a new spirit. The new spirit is not the Holy Ghost. That's when the seed of your emotions get cleaned up and makes you shout and dance. Hello, somebody. Amen. Emotion won't do it. Amen. You know, you, you know, an old man, old, old man, Pentecostal man told Brother Butts one time, he said, Brother, Brother Butts, if you don't have joy, just jump till you get it. You can jump all you want to. That don't give you joy. You don't jump to get joy. You have joy and you jump. Come on. I don't jump to get a million dollars. If so, I'm working for it. Amen. And listen, grace is something you don't work for. We're not working to get it. But when we get it, hallelujah, it's something to shout about. And people make the the mistake. They'll come in a prayer line. The first thing they do is start jumping. And they ain't got nothing yet. And they jump through the prayer line and jump right out of it and jump back to their seat and... Next revival, they got to jump again. Hey, Brother Tim, why, why would you bring something like this up? We love to jump. Well, hey, I, I love for you to jump. I love for you to shout. I love for you to run the aisles. But I mean, you know, we don't let it just become a form that this is just what we do at Evening Light Tabernacle. I mean, this is our custom if it is, you're drinking from a stagnated stream. Amen. Do it because it's something bubbling up on the inside of you. And it's joy unspeakable and, and it's full of glory. And really, I believe that's why most of you shout and jump and, and rejoice. But you have people sometimes that they think that's what you got to do. Listen, what you got to do is meet the person of Jesus Christ. Amen, amen, something that takes over every fiber of your being. Amen, something that makes you on the inside change from the inside out and makes you love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your being. You see, you can take a substitute of an intellectual faith or you can take a substitute of emotion. But until... That genuine baptism of the Holy Ghost satisfies every fiber and longing in a human soul. There's people that actually live on emotion. You know, that, that was the Pentecostal side, the Zusa movement. 
many of them, you know, they, you know, always, you know, is clapping their hands and playing the music and patting their feet and, you know, and then, and, and it's all by the music, you know, and, and a workup, and it just becomes a habit. And they let it stop and a bucket of water pours over. See, and it's just become a custom. See, it's a form of godliness. And yet lacks the power of a living God that brings a changed life. Amen. That's why it ain't about you jumping. It's about you living different. It ain't about how you can explain to me the seals. It's living different. It ain't about you having all the knowledge or having all the gifts. It's living different. We want to see that life, life-giving water bubbling out of your life. Thirsting for a living God until ever fiber. Now, you might speak in tongues. You might dance. You might not. You may shout. I, you know, you, amen. You're going to shout. I said you're going to shout. You're going to have to do something, amen, because Job said, amen, back there he said, God said, I saw you shouting. Hallelujah, the children of God shout because there's a victory in their life. They shout because God is a healer. They shout because the lost comes to Christ. They shout. We are here in time doing what he saw us do in eternity. But you know, there again, you don't want it just the emotional side where you just have church religion and you get out. Next day it's, well, are you a Christian? Well, I don't know. Did you? Are you? I don't know. Are you? Are you? Oh, I'll tell you what. Because the emotion's gone. It only lasted for a moment. You want the river of life down on the inside of you. That whether you're at work or whether you're at school or whether, I know it'll work in school. Come on. You say it won't work there among unbelievers. It will. I went to school with spoken word books under my arms. I went to school as a living testimony. I went to school with joy unspeakable and full of glory and sharing it with my classmates. It'll work in school. It'll work on your job. It works everywhere. God wants you to take something beyond just an impersonation of Christianity into a hidden life with Christ where the world and sin is cut off. So he says, I will put my spirit in you. Now, I give you a new heart. I've taught you how to be baptized. I give you a new heart. The seals are open, the mysteries are revealed, the truths of the word, serpent seed, and Jesus loves you. All of those things are yours, new heart. I'll give you a new spirit, emotion, shouting, joy unspeakable. But what I want to do is I also want to put within you, he said, my spirit. And when I put my spirit in you, it will cause you to walk in my stretches and you shall Keep in my judgment. And not only that, but you will dwell in the land. And that's what we want to do. We want to dwell in the land of the Bible. In the land of truth. Now, as we go into this, I'm going to skip a bunch of things because I'm already holding you long with everything else. This water is an endless supply. 
And the bride has it. Because in Revelation 22, 17, and the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him that heareth come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. Jesus said, he that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. This is his promise. This is promise to us as believers. Now, we come to the river, the living waters. It's more than a substitute. It's not a stagnant cistern of something they had many, many years ago and now stinks and breeds wiggle tails and got bugs in it. It's not one that's broken and dry. It's a fountain of living water. It's more than a pardon from sin. You know, many people will accept Jesus as their Savior to pay their debt. Let's suppose that you had this enormous debt you couldn't pay. And we did. All of us. And you have a note for your house and you refinance it and you've tried to pay it and you can't pay it. And and now it's in thousands of dollars a month and you're grinding away, you know, sweating ever sweat to try to, you have to pay that. And your car's in hock. You don't own any money or anything. You can't hardly rub two nickels together. Everything is terrible because you have such a debt and you can't pay it. You know how it is. You ever had a creditor call you? Thankfully, the Lord's always helped me not to ever be in debt. But you know others, you know, you know how it is. Creditors are calling. Answer the phone without, and you, you know, they're hounding you. And, and really, you can't answer the phone without thinking. Who's that going to call? Am I going to get a threatening phone call? You know, they're, they're going to tell me now, oh, oh, oh. They're going to repossess my house tomorrow. They're going to take my car. I won't have a way to work then. What am I going to do? Or you get a letter in the mail saying, we're cutting off your lights. We're taking away your home. We're repossessing your car. And you become hunted. Pay this debt or we'll take your soul down to prison. You'll burn in a lake of fire. We're coming after your soul. And the man's working. And he's paying He's trying to do this, trying to do better. I'll, I'll, I'll pay you Monday. I'll pay you next week. I get paid and I'll send a payment. And you're trying to pay the debt off. And finally, some man comes along and let's say he's a billionaire. And he's so rich and comes along and he pays your debt. So I want to do something for you. I'd like to pay your house off. I'm going to pay your car off. Bring me all your bills. Oh, my. They're going to cut my lights off tomorrow. Bring your bills. They're shutting your water. Bring your bills. 
everything that you owe. Those bills that you, you owed the hardware store and you can't show your face there. And the lumber company trying to make some money. And, you know, all of that, this man says, I'm going to pay it off. Pay it all off. Bring it to me. You owe it, I'm paying it. I'm gladly paying it for you. I, I've got the resources. I've got the ability. I'm going to write out a check for every one of these, and I'm going to pay your debt. Well, I'll tell you what. All of a sudden, you'd have peace. All of a sudden, you could sleep at night. You know, all of a sudden, there would be emotion. There would be tears. There would even be some shouting going on. Amen. There would be rejoicing. My debt just got paid. My debt is paid. Here I was in hot. Here I was in trouble. And this friend of mine, this rich man, I tell you, my debt's been paid. There's been a weight lifted off of my shoulders. You could go skipping down the streets and meeting everybody, shaking their hands or able to look at everybody. It don't matter if it's a former creditor. He's paid. You're not hiding nowhere. You're not afraid to take a phone call. You're not checking your emails for a threatening letter. You're getting, you know, you, you know it's all paid. And you can go and make a new life. Now let this sink in. And you can even go and make new debts. Even though that the one paid your debt became your savior to save you from loss, you still wouldn't have his life or his nature. And there are many people that say, God saved me from my sins and I've accepted Jesus as my Savior. And they feel emotion and there's a big burden lifted and they go back and make more sin debt because the life and the nature and the character of the debt payer has never came into their life. And that's what's lacking in the Christian world today. They've accepted Christ as their Savior. They've washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb. They've done works of sanctification, but they lack his life. And that's why the spiritual life is stagnant. There's no outflow of the Holy Ghost. You have to become living waters. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture has said, out of his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. What's the matter today? Does that bring this down to a close and we try to bring it close? What's all wrong with so many churches in the land today, so many people? What is clogging up the blessings? We accept the theology of the blood as a, sub, as a substitute and not born of its life to become a son of God. Christ's blood is to be more than a substitute. He is our sin offering. He surely paid our debt. But in this glorious covenant, there's more than just receiving money from the rich man. Amen. But it's you can receive the life of that rich man. 
the kinsman redeemer who is not only rich enough to pay your debt, but the debt of every man in the world. And then he'll take your debts and put them in the sea of his forgetfulness and make you son of God, a son of God. And where you have the literal life of Jesus Christ that returns back upon you as a believer. You'll have the rich man living on the inside of you. And out of his riches will be abundant life. And it will not be a patched up life or a turning of a new leaf or making a pledge, but a new creation. But the only way you can do that is for the old debt, man and debt, to die. That old sin nature has to die. We don't live in you no more. That one that made you a slave, that put you in debt, that ran up your bill, And the one who has all the riches of eternity sit on the throne of your heart. Being filled with divine nature. If you can't stay out of debt, you might have had sins past forgiven. But only when that man, Christ Jesus, comes in can you have the life to live an overcoming life. Now as I'm closing, let the musicians come. It was a man, he had struck it rich. He'd been out, he was a gold miner and he got a good claim. He had sackfuls of gold, heavy, heavy, as he packed them there back toward town. And he's thinking, when I get to town, when I get back to the city, I'm going to be rich. I'm going to live it up. All my hard work will be over, my troubles, everything else. I'm going to live it. I'm going to live it up. And he sat by his campfire on the way home that night trying to sleep. His dog against the bark. Shut up! Shut up! Tomorrow I'm going to be rich. Tomorrow I'll be wealthy. Tomorrow I'll have everything. I've got this gold and I get it and cash it in, put it in the bank and I can draw. I'll have it. Shut up, dog! The dog barks again. I said, shut up. Quit barking. I'm rich. Don't you know? Now I'm Mr. So-and-so. I was a poor old man, but now I'm wealthy. I'm going home. I'm going to town. I'm going to live it up. He lays back down. The dog barks again. I, I don't need no old dog. Why do I need a dog? I'm rich. Why do I need that? And he drew his gun and shot the dog. Killed it. Laid back down to sleep. And while he's sleeping, what the dog was warning him about was someone who had been on his trail. 
and was coming up close. And he shot the voice that was warning him. And he paid the consequences with his life. What am I trying to say? Don't shoot the voice. Don't stop the voice that's trying to tell you. He's slipping up on you. I want you to bow your heads. He's slipping up on you. He's coming your way. It's not a dog. It's the Holy Spirit. And we're trying to reach the world. Right now, I'm trying to reach you. Don't keep trying to hush the voice. Even you as a Christian, don't try to hush the voice of the Holy Spirit trying to tell you there's more. There's more. I want you to ask God right now. As he would lead me to speak on this, Maybe you'd like to stand to your feet and say, Brother Tim, I want to heed that voice this morning. Let me hear what he says. Today, if you will hear his voice and harden not your heart as in the provocation. Come unto me, ye that are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Why don't you listen to him this morning? He knocks on your door. He speaks to you. If you're a sinner away from God, there's no better time to come to him right now. Run with all your heart, everything that's within you. You're thirsting for a living God. You've seen and know there's a living God. He heals our cancers. He casts out devils. He, he heals diseases. He saves the lost. He's here to save you this morning. Why don't you stand to your feet right now and just say, I want to know that living God. I want to know that living God. Amen. I want to know him. I want to know him. Amen. Maybe you want to stand with these and say, Lord, this is what I want. Maybe you there, the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you today. You're still trying to satisfy that thirst with other things. And you find out there's only one thing that can answer the soul desire and you want to come to him with all your heart so I want to be a real Christian brother Tim I didn't come in this just to be a, a halfway believer I want to be everything I want to be surrendered Lord search me oh God right now cleanse me Lord every wicked way out of my life Lord don't let me just turn a new leaf or make a new vow but oh God let me start right now you know I I think of a man the other day read his Bible that I just buried, Brother Kenneth, 55 times. Listened to the message over from beginning to end over 15 times. Puts us all to shame. Puts us all to shame. What about you? How much time are you putting into this? Are you really ready for a rapture? Are you really ready to go home? Are you really may I have a surrendered life? Have you really dedicated yourself? Is the consecration really there? Invite him. Invite him in your heart.
Amen. Oh, Jesus, today, as we bow before you, Lord, just a moment in your presence, I pray, oh God, as we reach toward you, that you'll just speak to the hearts. You reveal yourself to every person that you'll deal with them in only in the ways that you can. I pray, Lord, if they're in debt today, you'll pay their debt. He said, come to me, you that are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I pray, oh God, that you'll do it. Do it, Father, in Jesus' name. May they lay their all at the altar. May they make a full surrender. I pray, Lord, for those that are they're Christians today, but somehow their pipe, the flow, has been clogged up. Oh, God, may they just take a promise of the Word of God and lie like a man looking, trying to find out where, where is it clogged? And he, he's zigging, he's pushing, he's prodding, he's whatever. Have I let something clog the flow? Has it been there when I, when, when I got involved in all of that stuff of the world? Lord, they can put whatever name to it. Whatever it is that has hindered them. I pray today, they'll take the rod of the Holy Ghost and just prod until the Spirit of God can flow free through their life. It's in the name of Jesus. I commit this service to your hands. As our brother Timothy leads in worship now. We pray for them that are going to be baptized. I pray, Lord, you'll do that work in them. In Jesus' name, amen, Brother Timothy. Amen. Amen. Brother Timothy Williams, you too. Brother Judah, come right down. Right now. Amen. 
tonight, you know, as I said, as I was preaching today, how that sin and the wrong kind of things, the wrong kind of music and whatever will catch a child just that quick. You know, if you don't teach them another, whether it's what, whatever's right or wrong, it'll catch them just like that. But you know, the gospel also will catch them. And that's the beauty part of it. We're not left defenseless. Amen. But we, have, we know there's a power of the gospel to go forth and to change lives. And, you know, Judah has come wanting to be baptized. I understand the other night in the service, the Lord moved on his heart. Our brother Joe was ministering. That was a wonderful service, and we thank God. So now we have our little brother Judah that has come to the Lord, and he wants to be baptized, taken on the name of the Lord. We had prayer with him down at the altar a moment ago. Judah, the Lord Jesus sent me to the gospel, into the world to preach the gospel, to baptize those who believed on the Lord and to baptize them as he commanded, using the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And in obedience to that divine command, I baptize you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. Amen. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Okay, Brother Timothy, just sit down right there. Amen. Our brother Timothy comes to us from Australia where the Lord has been dealing with his heart and he's just come here to find the Lord. And this is what we're talking about, the gospel going out. You know, we, we might all be ready to go into rapture, but we can't go until every, every last predestinated seed is ready. So we're interested in the world. We cannot just be us four and no more and no concern beyond these four walls. I want to encourage you. Talk to your neighbor about the Lord. Talk to, you know, you know, a lot of people wants to go to Ecuador and hadn't talked to the neighbor next door. So you got a job to do. But regardless of, you know, of that, you know, one said, you know, preach the gospel, but use words if you have to. Let your light so shine before men that others might see your good works that glorify God. Our brother Timothy is here with us, and the Lord has moved upon his life. We've been, we've been speaking with him, counseling with him, sharing the gospel with him over and over again while he's been here this week. And he's going to be going back to his home. How many out there will be praying for him? And you'll remember this man in your prayers. He's going to need it. He's got battles to fight and things to go through and, you know, decisions to make. But this is the greatest decision of your life, Brother Timothy. It starts right here. And he's doing his first works over. As a young man, he was baptized in the name of the Lord, I think, in South Africa and with Brother Willie Retief and the church there and somewhere. Amen. But he comes here today. 
you know, to surrender his life completely and totally to the Lord. And today, Brother Timothy, as the Lord has sent me to the world to preach the gospel. And he commissioned us to baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. In obedience to that divine command, I baptize you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Where the Lord has brought me through all of my trials, and when I failed Him, He didn't cast me away, but He stood right by me through all of my troubles when I was lost. 